A few weeks ago, we began this series, The Divine Mentor. We've been talking about allowing God to literally be our mentor, to, to speak into our lives. And, and we have the, the best tool, the best instrument that we need to be able to do that, and it's his word. It's, it's the Bible. And we've talked about reading this daily, making it a regular part of our lives. A few weeks ago, I gave you, uh, or I made available something that looks like this. Um, it's a daily reading plan. It lays out the, the reading plan for you it, for a year, and you'll read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. So, so I've given you a tool because most people will say, well, if I'm supposed to you know, read you know, through the Bible, and if I'm supposed to read the Bible every day, where do I start? Well, now you don't have an excuse. I, it's right here. I, I lay it out for you. So I ask, with a show of hands, who, who's been reading your Bible every day? Okay, keep your hands up. I want the people who have tried to read your Bible every day, meaning you may have missed a few days, but you've made an effort. So both those groups, raise your hands. Okay, good, good. Here's some more questions for you. Let me ask you this. How many of you have checked your text messages or your phone messages on a daily basis this week? A lot of us, right? So it's a regular thing. How many of you have uh, checked your email on a daily basis? This would be for the people who probably work or, you know, use email. Yeah, you know, daily basis. Oh, here's a great one for you. How many of you have checked up on your Facebook page on a daily basis? Yeah. And this one will probably affect and uh, influence all of us. How many of us have taken at some point on a daily basis to watch TV? I I would hope that majority of you probably raise your, well, I don't, I guess I don't hope, but, um, you know. But see, the thing is, we're, we're all guilty of scenarios like this, right? We're all guilty of this. There's no one excluded from these things because they're regular things. And, and, I mean, we could go on and on and add to this list of things that we all do daily. And for some of us, they may look different. But the real question is why? Why do we say that our text messages, the people who call us, the, the, our emails, our Facebook page, and, and all of these things, why are we saying that those things have a priority in our life, but the most influential person, if you remember back to week one, we came to the conclusion that the most influential person in your life is God. If that's the case, then why do we do all of these other things on a regular basis, but we don't make reading his word a regular part of our life? Why is that? We live in a land of plenty. But here's the thing. There's a famine 
There's a famine in the land of plenty. People are starving when the food of life is literally right in front of them. The food that they need to sustain their life is right at their fingertips. The life of God. To follow him. In World War II, six planes launched off of a naval carrier. They went out and they dropped their payloads and then they turned to, to make their journey back to the naval carrier. And as they're making their way back, they radioed to the ship and they asked for increased lighting on the deck so that they could see where the ship was so that it could actually land because they were returning in pitch black. It was pure darkness. And they needed light to be able to see where to land. They radioed the ship and the ship replied back and said, we can't. And so the, the pilots frantically are sending more messages and radioing, please give us something. And the radio response came back is, we can't turn on any lights for you because there are surveilling enemy planes looking for us. And if we turn on lights, we'll reveal ourselves to our enemies. And so... And, an SOS is now going out from these six planes to this naval carrier, begging, even pleading for them to please. They, they even said, just turn on one light on the bow of the plane and we'll risk it. We'll take our chances. Just give us something, some light to be able to see. The radio operator came across the radio saying, we're only following our orders. I'm sorry. I'm really Sorry. All six planes were lost that day. Why? Because they were searching for light. You see, we're all that way. Your soul, the deepest part of your being, literally cries out for God. Some of us don't even know what that looks like. Some of us don't know what that is. Some of you are saying, oh, finally, I have an answer. I thought it was indigestion. You know, it's like you, you finally have this answer in your head that it's God, that there's something that's missing in my life, and, and that's what I need. I, I need God in my life. We do. Our, our souls literally desire to have a relationship with God. Millions of people are just like those six pilots. They're searching for light that leads to God. They have experimented with counterfeit gods. And they've settled for the world, but yet they still find themselves empty and in need. God's word reveals the light which places itself like a spotlight. On, on the hope that we desire. On the hope that our, our lives cling to. Why, am, why do I feel so strongly? Why start out the year with a series about reading the Bible? 
Why do I feel so strongly about this? Let me give you four quick reasons. The first one, Kaylin, if you're paying attention, the Bible is the only book God ever promised to inspire. The Bible is the only book that God ever promised to inspire. Some of you may say, well, I don't read my Bible on a daily basis, but I do devotions, and I read, um, uh, it's uh, my utmost for his highest, that as I read the daily devotion out of that, or, or streams in the desert, or some of you may pick up the, the I even forgot the name of it, the little booklet that we have available that has like daily readings and stuff in it, and kind of devotional thoughts. Well, I read those. Those are great. Don't get me wrong. Those are great things. I've read them, and I think they have a lot to teach you, but it's not the thing. It's not the most important thing that you can read. If you want to read those things, read those things as extra things, as fun reading. I mean, Bible should be fun reading too, I hope, but but God's word, the Bible, is the only book that God promised to inspire. No other book. Number two, the Bible is the only book where all the divine mentors are present. God literally handpicked, hand-selected every single life and story that he wanted to be involved in the story in the Bible. He handpicked all the people and life lessons to teach us what he wanted. And it's the only place that you will find all of them together in one place. Number three, God promises specifically to bless the readers of the Bible. In Revelation 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it. Take it to heart. Take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Blessed are those who, who read it, who hear it, and take it to heart. We're going to look back at that in just a few minutes on how we do that, what that looks like. But not just reading the Bible. Anybody can just read the Bible. But to take it to heart, to learn from it, to use it as an example for our lives. Number four. The Bible is the only book that will live forever. The Bible is the only book that will live forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You can't get rid of the Bible. You, you can't. They've stopped putting it on the number one bestseller list to give the others a chance. It's been there for I don't know how many years. Why would it be the number one book? Because people are searching. People are looking for hope. People are looking for answers to life's questions. 
I found this very interesting. The Bible has had many opponents, but they keep dying. It's a funny thing how that works. They keep dying while the Bible continues to live on. The French Enlightenment hero, um, you might have heard of him, is called Voltaire. Anybody heard of Voltaire before? Um, If you've taken any literature classes in school, you've probably heard that if you were awake. He once claimed that through his efforts and those of like-minded rationalists, the Bible would disappear from the planet within a generation. (laughs) Here's the great part. A generation later, his house was being used to print Bibles. (laughs) That's what you get for making a comment like that. You can't get rid of it. It will live on forever. It's been written thousands of years ago, yet today we're still talking about it as though it happened yesterday because of its impact, because of what it means, because of the life that it brings. Because the Bible is is vital to Christ's followers, we should do more than just merely read it. We should absorb it. We We should want to read it. It shouldn't be something that we put on a priority list because we have to make an effort to do it. It should be something we want to do, that we get excited about doing it. I promise you that no matter how many times you read this all the way through, you will find something new. You will find something fresh that will speak into your life a way you didn't see it before. So, I've given you this Bible reading plan. And I've said, just reading, it's not enough. How how do we go deeper? I I gave you a little um, uh, synopsis of what what I was going to tell you today, last week. And I hope um, no one didn't come back because of me talking about journaling. Um, This isn't writing in your diary and writing all your, like, you know, deepest, darkest secrets and no one else is going to read it type of thing. It's not that. Uh, because I have one of those things that, you know, I write out my prayers to God and, and it's, a, you know, a personal thing that, you know, is between me and God. Um, uh, but I have noticed that that doesn't get written in all that much. It's like, you know, big things have to happen before I'll do that. And because in my mind, it's like something else I've got to take more time to do that versus, God, I can just speak it. I, I can just tell you, like, my prayers and what's on my heart. And, and Do I need to write it down? And then I read Wayne Cordero's book, The Divine Mentor. If you haven't read it, I challenge you to, to get a hold of it because it, it's a really good read. But in it, he teaches this way to to kind of read our Bibles and to journal about it. He calls it SOAP. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. So we have our daily reading. So say we're on day one, Genesis 1 and 2, and then Luke 1. So we're going to read those specific passages. 
And as we're reading, God's going to speak to us. God, God will speak to you. It may be a life circumstance that, that you're going through. And, and out of this text, God just speaks into your life. Or some way, somehow, God will speak to you. I promise you. So, so you're going to get out your journal. Just happen to have some if you don't have one at home, by the way. You're, you're going to get out your journal. And you're going the first thing you're going to do is you're going to write that scripture reference down. You're going to write down that specific scripture. And the next thing you're going to do is you're going to write down your observation. What do you observe in that scripture? What is that scripture? What's going on inside that scripture text? And the next thing you're going to do is application. How does that apply to me? You see, that's where we stop. We stop at observation. We, we read the scripture. We might observe something really cool that we hadn't learned before, but then that's where we stop. But how does it apply to you? How does that text transform your life? What does that text mean for you in the situation, in the life that you're in right now? And then you write that down. And it doesn't have to be like you write five pages on one journal entry. Like one page of a journal, that's it. And then you finish, the last thing you do is pray is you just write out a short prayer. God, in this passage, I feel like you're just speaking to me about the influences that I have in my life, the people that I allow to speak into my life. God, I pray that you will help me find people of Christ-like character to speak into my life. Amen. And then you write a page number and you give it a title and then you put a table, a table of contents. I always do this. You see, I've always written in, in my, my journal and, and later I'm thinking about like a message I'm writing and I'm like, I said that somewhere. Where did I say it? And so now I'm like flipping through my journal and I'm like trying to read like 200 pages, you know, trying to find this. I'm never going to find it, especially with my handwriting. And then, then I read... Wayne Carrero's book, and he says, give it a date, give it a title, put a page number, then go to a table of contents and write down all that stuff. It's amazing. I can find stuff so much easier because of the titles and the page numbers, and it's so much easier to recall it. So now when you're thinking about that, when you're thinking about that the next, next year when you read Luke 1, and you're thinking... What came to my mind then? What was it that God put on my heart then? You can go right to it and find it. I know some of you are, are probably thinking, this sounds really silly. And it sounds like a lot of time. I, I literally spend 20 minutes reading the passages. And I spend 15 to 20 minutes writing in my journal. Jesus Christ gave his life for me. Who gave more? I think he did. By a lot. What's 40 minutes? What's 40 minutes to us? To have a life that's changed and transformed. 
I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I'll say it a thousand times. I, I promise you. I can promise you because I know I'm not wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things. My wife will tell you I am wrong about a lot of things. I am not wrong about this. If you make this part of your life, it will change you. You will be nice to people you never thought you would ever be nice to. Why? Because you're reading about God's love. You're reading about how God loves that person. Not what you think or not your opinion, but what God cares about. Your prayers that used to be all about me and the things that I needed, the, the, the concerns that were in my life, all of a sudden begin to turn and shift. And, and God, what's important to you? Is it important that I need a new car and it's breaking down? No, God's more concerned about your salvation. God's more concerned about you raising your children or your grandchildren. God's more concerned about those things. And now our prayers begin to shift. Why? Because we're reading about what God cares about, what God loves, what is important to God. You see, as a follower of Christ, the most important thing to us should be the most important thing to him. Is it? Is it? And I've gone through all of that really quick. I did that because I've got these on the stands by the doors as you leave. There's a little packet that explains everything. Like everything to the littlest detail of how to do this process, what it looks like. It gives you examples. I've got everything right here. I challenge you to just do it for a week. A week. See if it becomes a burden after a week. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've missed a couple days. I've missed a couple days. But you know what? I didn't worry about it. I didn't get stressed about it. I didn't go back and try to read everything I missed and then get frustrated because I'm taking too long. I started right where on that days and began again. It's okay. It's a process of making it a regular part of our life. I pray that you would take reading God's word seriously. Make it part of your life and see what he does. See what God does in your life. 